0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And
1: so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together.
0: What's going on, everybody? Hey. Welcome back. To another episode of Peace of Authenticity. Um, So I've been watching a few other YouTube videos, mostly like Brad's, where he mm -hmm. he asks people to subscribe. Oh,
1: well go ahead then.
0: And so yeah, if you will go and just subscribe to this podcast and hit the little bell looking thing that Mm -hmm. it'll alert you every time we go live, which I know most of you guys are probably like, oh yeah, I'm watching it Monday morning at 7 on the dot. Well, listen, we appreciate that.
1: I'm sure. Uh
0: But anyway, uh, yeah, if you could help us out by doing that, so then that way we can get rolling and and as many people can see the podcast as possible. But um, yeah, so we're going to dive back in. If you haven't seen last week's episode, I think it's called Transfigured we talked Mm -hmm. about the Transfiguration, we talked about Mount Hermon, and we told you last week that this week we're gonna go down the mountain from Mount Hermon where experts believe the Transfiguration happened, and we're gonna talk about the pagan city of Caesarea Philippi that is at the base of Mount Hermon.
1: Yes, so a little bit of a background story with um, Caesarea Philippi. It was first a gift to King Herod from yeah. um, Augustus, Caesar, Caesar Augustus. For yeah. For reason, I was like, I'm thinking Augustus flute from like Willy Wonka. And I know that's not true. <laughs> Augustus um, So yeah, Caesar Augustus gave, um, it wasn't called Caesarea Philippi at that time. But then Herod, you know, had it and then he gave it to his son, Philip. And yep. so then Philip, of course, named it Caesarea Philippi because he loves himself and he also wanted to suck up to Caesar yes. over in Rome. Because that's just what you do whenever
0: Yeah. You so want to suck so up. he wanted to seem like a good servant, so he named it. Of course. Um but there was already Caesarea, right? So he had to call it he had to add Caesarea Philippi, Philippi. His name. So in like this whole false humility type way, he builds this city to show honor and servitude to Caesar. But then he puts a little dash in there and puts his own name
1: well, you behind it
0: as well. Because he wanted everybody to know who built the city. And listen, when we went there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: walking up, on the stream that comes out of Caesarea Philippi. We're gonna put some photos on here mm-hmm. right We have now. a good picture of the Yeah, we got water. some good pictures of the water and stuff. like. It's beautiful, it's mm-hmm. green, it's lush. It's so many trees. It's amazing, yeah. So I could definitely see, you know, why somebody would want that town, that city named after them mm-hmm. for sure. But here's what's crazy, is because we're gonna go into Matthew chapter 16, right? Because the Transfiguration happens in Matthew 17. We're gonna go a little bit before that. This is why experts believe that the Transfiguration happened on Mount Hermon, was because in Matthew 16, Matthew tells us right before that, that they entered into Caesarea Philippi. And what you need to know, one of the main things that you need to know about Caesarea Philippi is, it's like um, Vegas on steroids, Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's it's like what would you even call you'd call like Taiwan or something like that. Um, the, red the red light, red light district
1: in Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is yeah. that where all the sketchy. Yeah.
0: Spot? Like so. So good. And, and listen, I'm not hating on, you know, hating on Las Vegas or anything like that. But in uh, for well, they call it
1: Sin City. So that's probably why.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) But for for people that
0: go there, like, I don't want to tie you in and be like, you should feel terrible about yourself because you go. But I'm just saying that um, it was was known, Caesarea Philippi was known for debauchery. It was known for um, the pagan ways that were there. Uh, So you have to understand that for Jesus to take his disciples— to Caesarea Philippi. There had to be a strategic reason why that happened because no good Jewish boy or Jewish man would have ever like no. would have ever stepped Jews foot in Caesarea did not Philippi. not
1: live in Caesarea Philippi. And if Jews did, it's because they didn't care they were Jews. They didn't practice.
0: Or they okay. probably traded there and then they'd have to go through like a, a cleansing yeah. period after it was over. Yeah. <laughs>
1: they probably went to their priest like, I went to Caesarea Philippi. Oh gosh, you're oh, unclean. You know, yeah. And then he threw and like
0: holy water. I'm just kidding. That didn't I happen. I don't know that how that they
1: did the stuff all the way yeah. back then. But, yeah.
0: but so anyway, you, you, have, you have Caesarea yeah. Philippi, right? And what made Caesarea Philippi so like such a nasty place as far as spiritually is there were there were at least three different entities, if you will, that were worshipped in Caesarea Philippi when when Philip uh, Herod's son Philip um, built. Caesarea Philippi he built a temple specifically to Caesar yes right so you have a temple that specifically worships Caesar and then you have a temple that was built to worship the god Pan now I know that once we dive into this some of y'all's childhoods are about to be like but so we have Pan all right remember that name and then there were also all sorts of other gods and even demon worship uh, in yeah. Caesarea Philippi.
1: Yeah, gods got it. They were obsessed with fertility up there in that area.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so you want me to go into pan?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Okay, well, um, you might have heard this word before, panic. Has anyone heard heard of that word? It came from this god. Okay, he's a Greek god. And his temples were always outdoors because he was the god of chaos. He was the god of panic. Disorder. Disorder, all these things. So you wanted to keep him outdoors because you just never knew what was going to go down, pretty much. Um, He was half man, half goat. It was really interesting to see. His top half was man. Bottom half was goat. And so if you can think... Like
0: Mr. Tumnus.
1: Exactly. No, um, I read. Lion I read Witch some sketchy wardrobe. stuff about that too. The fact that he lured the little girl to sleep with his flute. Anyways, creepy. Yeah. Now that you, mm-hmm, now that we start connecting um so if you start thinking about a man that is half goat and half man how was this how was this god made maybe oh maybe through some bestiality and stuff like you know yeah. and so they they did that they had a whole pen of goats they would sacrifice some of the goats they would do other inappropriate things with the goats to honor pan all these disgusting things i mean there was sex out in the open i mean this this temple was out in the open you saw everything that went down in worship to this god yeah and he's also the god of shepherds fertility music he created his own, they're called pan pipes. They look like a flute. If you can think of anybody else, that might have pan in their name that played the flute.
0: Peter Pan?
1: Maybe. Hmm.
0: So, okay, I have to say this. This is kind of off topic. Well, no, it's kind of on topic now. But So I saw a video a while back. I don't know if everybody else saw it, but there, it uh. was like this TikTok <laughs> video. And I have to share this because it really kind of made me think, especially knowing what we know now about Caesarea Philippi and what we know about the Greek... God Pan. Um, this guy goes, he's he's talking with his friend in this video, and he says, he says, what if we've had it all wrong all along? Like, what if Peter Pan is the one that's actually kidnapping the children, and Captain Hook is the one that's, that's trying to stop him and get the children back? And instead, we've always portrayed Captain Hook as the bad guy when his only His only mission was to stop Peter Pan. Yeah, he never hurt
1: the kids. Captain Hook
0: didn't want to hurt the kids. He didn't want to do anything like that. He literally just wanted to stop Peter Pan. Now that you know Pan, and he played the Pan Pipe, just like Peter Pan, right, and all this stuff, I'm sitting here going, dude, listen, I grew up on Disney, but, you know, I'm sitting here going, the guy that wrote this thing.
1: Yeah, and that took me on a deep dive of reading about the guy that wrote Peter Pan no nope. yeah. that's one sketchy character when i say that i mean the whole little kids going away to never never land nobody <laughs> nobody want to know about that um so <laughs> a huge weakness for this god pan was lust he was known to chase after the nymphs which look a lot like mermaids if you remember a scene from peter pan peter when him pan. and the mermaids were all flirting and stuff yeah, yeah. We'll just connect all those dots and so he would fall in love with the nymph or uh, whatever they called him, symph, nymph, whatever, mermaid-looking things. And he was just very lustful. Um, yeah. That's why a lot of the worship to him was lustful acts and things like that. Um, yeah. What else about him? Oh, okay, so in his open temple, do you want me to go into where he went for the winter?
0: Yeah, so, um, well, I mean, so the, the, the thing is you have to understand that Um, Okay, so Pan, basically you're looking at all sorts of nasty stuff tying to this guy and it was out in the open right? for everyone to see.
1: We saw the temple out in the open and we even saw the the ruins where they kept the goats. I mean we saw all these things.
0: Yeah, it was completely crazy. But yeah, go ahead.
1: So right next to that open temple, there's like a deep hole in the bottom of the mountain, and it was a natural spring. And so water would come out of this. It's like a hole in the side of the mountain, and then water springs up. If you've seen a natural spring, it usually looks like this. And and that was the water that would go down, you know, through Caesarea Philippi. And they believe that the, that was the gate of Hades, and that is where Pan would go in the winter. So, of course, if he's a fertility god, he's only around in the spring and the summer, because that's where the fertile things of the land go down and everything like that and so he would be out in his temple for those two months and then in the fall time winter he would go to hades and they made it easy for him they put the temple right next to the gate of hades you know and he would just go right in and so um we'll show you the picture of what it looks like it's it's really interesting and it's pretty creepy for (laughs) whenever brad is like and that's the gate of hell and i was like Ew. Yeah. <laughs> they believed that that was the gate of hell. Because, you know, if, if you look into Roman and Greek mythology, they, they had to row in a boat to go to Hades. If you remember Hercules and things like that, they were in a boat. And so it makes sense that they would believe that that
0: was yeah. To get into well, hell. and so there's a reason why we're touching on that right now exactly. anyway. Exactly. So, so just remember. So in, in Matthew chapter 16, it starts out just like this and and this is this is why it's important to know the geography of where you are when you're reading scripture is because it tells us in verse 13 of Matthew 16 it says now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples so the the bible's telling us where they are okay so Jesus knowingly the Son of God knowingly walks into this nasty city.
1: So they would know right off the bat, like, ooh.
0: Yeah, and 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 believe me, I, I would venture to say that all of these Hebrew guys, um, Peter, James, John, Andrew, all 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 of the disciples of Jesus, they all probably heard the stories of Caesarea Philippi and the the nasty, ungodly things that happened there. Mm-hmm. So they had to have been asking themselves. As soon as they started walking up into town. Because see, I, I don't think they had road signs like we do now. Like, you know, you'll be at Caesarea Philippi in 20 miles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They just walked up from town to town following Jesus. Yeah, they're
1: like, after this town, it's about this far a day's walk to the next town. Yeah, and I going.
0: even wonder if, if Jesus even told them where they were headed yeah, to next. He probably, I don't think that he did. He
1: pro- that's why Brad did that to us on the trip. Yeah, he told and us so going.
0: he's sitting here just walking along, and, and they had to have asked, like, when they came up, maybe there was a sign on the very edge of town or something. I don't know. But as soon as they got there and they got in the middle of these people, they had to have been asking themselves, like, whoa, we're – we're not in Kansas anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Dorothy on the Wizard of Oz.
1: Yeah. Caesarea Philippi is 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee where they were from. So they traveled pretty far.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we dive back into Matthew 16, Um, the reason why Caesarea Philippi is in Israel, but it was like so far, um, like not Hebrew in custom whatsoever. Uh, So, they they actually did this. Jeroboam, who was the first king of Israel, like when... So Solomon, right, had the united monarchy, David, then Solomon. Then Solomon turns the kingdom over to Rehoboam, his son. Jeroboam, there's too many boams, Um Jeroboam leads a revolt uh, against Rehoboam. And then the kingdom is divided into the northern country of Israel and the southern country or kingdom. I should say southern kingdom of Judah. So that's how it got split up. And if you look in your Bible and you do any type of studying over Jeroboam at all, Jeroboam in the city of Dan, which is not very far from Philippi. If you look it up on a map, we can actually put a map up right now. You can see it's not very far from Dan. That's actually where the Bible tells us that Jeroboam angered God because he put up the high places and allowed the worship of Baal.
1: Yeah, and we've done a podcast about the high places because when you read um, about the kings you'll see, you'll keep hearing about these high places, yeah and it's just crazy, but it started with him so way yeah to go, Jeroboam. it started
0: with Jeroboam so basically everything that we see that that faces the Hebrew people that is a negative it's always because of doors they've opened mm-hmm. or things that they've done um you know I think a lot of times people will go, well why does you know why would God allow this or why would God allow this?" I I oftentimes sit there and go, well, everything, if you look in scripture that happened, that was detrimental to Israel was all because the people did stuff. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because God just decided, well, I don't like you guys anymore. And so I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Jeroboam literally took uh, leadership. He took kingship over the northern country of Israel. He built the high places. Because the worship of God wasn't enough. He wanted to build the high places so that even the foreigners in the land would feel comfortable there, which this was supposed to be land that was given to God's people where God alone This was supposed to be a land where the entire world would know that there is a God in Israel, right? Mm -hmm. We've talked about this on the podcast before. So Jeroboam opened the door to Baal worship in the high places of Dan. That spread, and so then the Romans come in, all these other influences come in, and Baal gets replaced by all these Greek fertility gods such as Pan. And so now you know all these other influences, all these other... Idols, that it's just full of idolatry, full of all sorts of nastiness. Not only they're worshiping Pan Caesar, but they're also worshiping demons. Okay, so I can't imagine this was a cool place to be at nighttime. <laughs> no. So now you know we're here in in Matthew 16, and in verse 14 it says, "And they." Oh, sorry. Now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" And in verse 14 and they said some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets and he says to them but who do you say that i am did you want to stop there or did you want to give one
1: yeah i just i love that because the first question is who you know who do people say that i am yeah and they gave their answer and i think it's interesting because they gave the, the answer that they've heard other people say who they think jesus is i mean it gives them some props oh huh. He might be like Elijah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets, obviously, like this dude knows what he's talking about, Yeah. but they don't truly admit or or even give Jesus the full scope of who he actually is. And so we'll see that in the world around, I just hit my mic. You'll see that thing. You'll see that in the world around us today (laughs) that people, they'll be like, oh no, I believe, I believe in God. I go to church. Yeah. I go to church. You know, they say it all nonchalant. Like, oh yeah, Uh yeah, there's God. I mean, yeah. you know, he's in the vibes and the energies and the, and the universe and all those weird yeah. things people say. But, you know, that's what you'll, you'll hear in the world because there's some things people cannot deny, right? But they won't fully grasp who Jesus is or they won't be willing to. And then yeah. Jesus goes into, the, but who do you say that I am? So it's not a matter of the question. Jesus knows and he does not expect us to ever say the same as the culture and the people around us because he's like, okay, that's what they say. But what do you say? What have I taught you? What have, you know, and I see, I think that's so interesting and so awesome how he said it. And there's this quote from um, Spurgeon. We love his quotes. Um, What's his first name?
0: Charles Spurgeon. There it is. I almost said Chuck.
1: That's not his first name. Um, I want to read this. Our Lord presupposes that his disciples would not have the same thoughts As men had, they would not follow the spirit of the age and shape their views by those of the cultured persons of the period. I would tell you right now that Caesarea Philippi, to the Romans and to the pagans, was a very cultured place. I mean, they had their freedom of religion. I'm sure they had great politics there. I mean, they worshiped Caesar. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure Caesar came every once in a while. And, you know, things like that. I just, it's, it's the same in the world today. We just have to realize, like... Jesus says, who do they say they are? I am, but who do you say that I am? I just yeah. thought that was really
0: well I think powerful. I think that it's really cool that, like you said, that they gave Jesus props because yeah. the, the the miracles that Jesus was doing were famous. Um, uh, feeding five thousand people would probably get you a cool reputation. I mean you got five thousand
1: right? people talking about the biggest lunch they've ever yeah. had. Yeah,
0: and 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 so <laughs> you, you have all these miracles, and so people are are acknowledging that he's definitely of God, mm-hmm. but they don't acknowledge him as the son of God. Mm-hmm. And and there's a huge difference there. And so, it just kind of makes me think, like, a lot of people um, get so wrapped up in, you know, like, well, I, I try to do this or I try to do good things, you know, and they, they get so focused on what they do or where they go to church or like all these other things. And it's like, dude, Jesus literally, Christianity changed the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So even the most skeptical of people can't say that Jesus was the most phenomenal communicator, that Jesus did die on the cross, and like all these other things. These are all factual things that, mm-hmm. that we can that we know to be true. But Jesus isn't saying, I I want to hear what people say about me without following up quickly, but but what do you know about me? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that sometimes we get so caught up in listening to other teachers and we listen to our pastors and we listen to all these other people try to tell us who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus 2,000 years ago was already trying to tell us still some of the things that I feel like his followers struggle with today. I don't really care what other people say because... Jesus didn't say, oh man, I, I really wish that they would all be saying this. He just said, hmm, okay, they all they're all saying, I might, cool. Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, these are all people that were world changers, right? They were they were all people that God used. But let's get to the, let's get to the meat of it. Mm-hmm. Who do you, who do you say that I am? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And so we have him having this back and forth conversation with his disciples, and man, what I wouldn't give to be a part of these conversations, and just sit there and, you know, oh, witness this. But as we all know, we like to give Peter kind of a hard time sometimes as followers of Christ, because this, this guy swung and missed a lot. But one thing that you can never fail with old Simon Peter is he's going to be the first one to pop up. He's going to be the
1: first one to talk. He's going to be the sure. first one to talk.
0: If Jesus asks a question, you can already guarantee Peter's like, ooh, me, me. I wonder
1: how many times he's like, no, next one. Who's yeah.
0: said? So, so we go here and, and he says to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay, so I want to just stop right there because mm-hmm. I think it's important because of the location where they're at. You have... A small g god being worshiped in Caesar, Pan, other gods, including demons, right? All of these gods were being worshiped all around this small group of men right here. So I think that it's powerful that Jesus calls. Or that Peter calls him son of the living God because not only is he acknowledging who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. but he's also saying that all this other stuff around us is nonsense. Yeah, they're They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. They have no power.
1: Which, yet again, just makes me think of that living water that we talked yeah. about, too. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, too. And I, it was very strategic that he said that at that place.
0: Yeah. And so now we have Peter chiming in, you're the son of the living God. Good answer. Good, yeah.
1: We've been watching Family Feud. Good answer. Good answer. answer. Yeah. yeah.
0: Good and answer. so then um, Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I love that. Did you want to talk about Jonah?
1: Oh, you do it. You do it good.
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: What? About Jonah? Yeah. Why you said son of Jonah? Yeah. Oh, okay. What? Yes, you do. <laughs> you read it to me. So um, Jesus called him that because um, in case you didn't know, which I didn't, it, this just went right over my head the first few times, Peter's dad wasn't named Jonah. So people were. <laughs> I don't know if, like, everything Jesus, like, Jesus didn't get that wrong. Okay, he didn't get his dad's name mixed yeah, up. Yeah,
0: Jesus doesn't do anything on accident, <laughs> But all right? I don't
1: know if the other disciples were like, skirt, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, especially Andrew. Like, Andrew is Peter's <laughs> actual brother, and he's probably sitting here going, mm, that's, uh, not, that's
1: not my dad's that's name. That's not my uh, daddy name. Oh my gosh, Jesus knows everything. Is is that his daddy, though? Did something go down? Okay, but anyways. Jesus. Um, so yeah, the reason why Jesus said that is because if you remember the story of Jonah, everyone mostly remembers he just got swallowed up by fish, right? But he, um, was having to go to the city called Nineveh to pretty much tell them like, Hey, you guys are living in so much sin, probably very similar mm. to Caesarea Philippi. And he came in, he just waltzed right there into the chaos that is Nineveh. And he was supposed to say these things that the Lord told him to say a warning to the city, right? And he wouldn't do it hence the fish, and then he ended up going to Nineveh. Okay, and so the story's really great, you should read it. But that is why they were in the middle of this sin-filled city, Caesarea Philippi, but he spoke the truth of the Lord through the Holy Spirit, and that is why Jesus said, Peter, son of Jonah, you are correct.
0: Yeah, so bar means son of in Hebrew, so if he says, he says Simon Bar Jonah it means Simon son of Jonah, but I also think that to, you have to look at the parallels, right? Like Jordan was saying, you have Caesarea Philippi that is like this big sin-filled city. That's exactly what Nineveh was, yeah. and and so if you read the story of Jonah, you realize that um, Jonah, like like most of us, uh, is a super selfish dude, and he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go because his his message is. That if they don't turn from it's their evil good. ways, God is going to destroy them. Like literally, he's like, going to destroy them. No one them.
1: is going to be like, oh my gosh, cool, thanks so much for the message. We'll get back yeah. to you. Yeah,
0: so so first of all, he was scared. And then secondly, um, <laughs> if you read the story, Jonah finally goes after being swallowed up by the fish and after God <laughs> is forced to humble him, Jonah goes into Nineveh and he preaches the message that God sent him to proclaim. And it says that the entire kingdom the king put out a proclamation that everybody should tear their clothes that they should repent that they you know should should turn from their evil ways and Jonah goes out of the city a little bit and he sets up on a hill because he wants to watch the destruction firsthand. I don't know if you guys have ever gotten sideways. He's like, where's my with, popcorn? With another like sinner or even another, you know, follower of Christ that you're just like, oh man, one day I hope that the Lord gets him. you know, and you're like, I just want to be there to watch it. Yeah, to watch you even it like pray demise yeah, for like, him. That's
1: when it goes too yeah, far.
0: I think you're like, Lord, get him. Get so him. this is what Jonah's doing. He's sitting out here and he's he's wanting to watch this. Okay. So um, God doesn't destroy Nineveh. And then Jonah gets mad and he says, you know, this this is messed up. I knew that you were going to spare them. That's why I didn't want to come. And like throws a fit and he gets mad. He gets mad because he's got the sun beating down on his head. Anyway, that's all part of the story. Jesus says this to Peter. Right now, because I believe that Peter is about to be in the middle of some nasty people, and he's going to have to preach the gospel, and he's going to have to preach repentance and Christ crucified and all these things. And so that's why Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit revealed this to you. Bless are you, Simon Barjona, because he knows from that point, he's like, I can trust Peter to go into the Nineveh-type places
1: mm-hmm.
0: and preach my gospel."
1: Yeah, you can even see a contrast with the judgment that was brought on, but you even saw you even uh, saw the mercy of God um, in the story with Nineveh, right? And you even see the story with Jesus because Jesus is asking, "Who do you say I am?" And they're in the midst of all this stuff. Jesus could have been like saying, "Hey, all you people, listen, this is not okay," you know, and and he was just you know speaking to the disciples and just teaching in the midst of this chaos saying you're going to come into places like this and you're going to, you're going to show my love and people are going to see the goodness of God and people are going to repent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's crazy. um, Cause we're going to, we're going to keep reading here in just a second, but Jesus takes these men, his disciples into the nastiest places. And I just know, I have been guilty as a follower of Jesus sometimes of avoiding certain things because I'm like, well, I don't want to be seen with that. I don't want to do that. I mean, you're talking about the son of God that literally willingly marched into even by the open temple of Pan um, because the transfiguration happened right up that mountain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're climbing up there and and Jesus is just marching in there. And we're going to touch on that here in just a second. But... Um, uh, so verse 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jordan already said that that, that that opening in the mountain where that spring came up, that was literally referred to as the gates of hell. So this is why it's important for us to know where we are in scripture as we're reading this. Because then we can see that Jesus was giving them visuals. Yes. As he was talking, he wasn't just saying, oh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was actually showing them right here Mm -hmm. where they believe Pan, their God, leaves and goes to the underworld in the wintertime and then comes back in the spring. That very gate right there, what they call the gates of hell, none of those false gods will prevail against the kingdom that I have coming.
1: Mhm, And I, I just love Mic it drop. because, yeah, the way he even words it, the gates of hell will not prevail.
0: Yeah.
1: So the whole point of gates, right, back in those days and even now, it's for protection. Yeah. And what he's saying is the gates of hell won't prevail. What that means is we're supposed to charge the gates. Like we're supposed to like... Oh my gosh, there's really good wording in one of my 500 notebooks, but I'm just gonna yeah. let the
0: Lord. Well, so leave so me. The, the, what's what's the purpose of the gates, right? It's to keep people out. And if you remember the episode that we did on Samson, right? Remember, Samson went to that one Philistine town and he ripped the gates off of the city and carried them. Yeah. So with he's them. like, you ain't got no so security to, to remove now. their security, right? So so Jesus is flipping this around and he's saying like, instead of us putting up gates toward hell to like defend ourselves he's saying that hell's gates will not prevail which means it's an offensive strategy
1: yes and it says no matter how fierce the resistance his followers should never hide their faith in god Mm. um he jesus didn't want his followers hiding from evil he wanted them to storm the gates of hell and that's what jesus did i mean And, and we follow his lead, right? And Jesus was the most loving, but, but he sure as heck stormed the gates of hell. He actually went to hell to get the keys, been like, I got the keys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it's, it's important to understand like a lot of times, I, I feel like we get really complacent in our, in our walk with Christ to where, um, you know, we get onto this level of righteousness that we say, and then we kind of just hit cruise control. And we're just kind of coasting through Uh, when, when Jesus is literally, Jesus is literally saying to Peter in this moment, the gates of hell are not going to prevail from what is going to be unleashed onto you. Right. We're talking about the Holy spirit It's like, they would have known that it was their job to be aggressive with it. Like this isn't, this isn't for the faint of heart, Mm -hmm. like this following Jesus and, and, As the Lord's prayer says, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. It's about opening that to where the kingdom of heaven comes here and prevails against anything that the enemy can have to offer, anything that the enemy puts in your place. And this isn't like a prideful thing that's like, oh, I'm going to prevail everything because I'm a follower of Jesus. It's just saying, I am positioning myself to be used by the Lord so that no gate, no door that the enemy tries to put in my path can withstand what the Lord's trying to do.
1: It's a higher higher calling of the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with us. That's why... Maybe I really don't like the I am statements like, I am great. I am like, ugh, honestly, it doesn't matter because yeah. <laughs> we're just supposed to like carry the kingdom of God and, you know, have a relationship with the Lord and, you know, converse with the Holy Spirit and all these different things. I think I think we could just get so caught up on the little things. Whenever Jesus is saying, look around you, look what's going on, let's wake up and you know the kingdom of God. Pray that, like what you said. Yeah. You know the kingdom of heaven. Come to earth. Yeah. And the gates of hell can't prevail if yeah. if the kingdom of heaven's on earth. Bye. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna work for the yeah. gates of hell. They so can't prevail. I, I,
0: I just think that yeah we 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 take the offense out of it. Yeah. Because sometimes I think that as as followers of Jesus. We get so focused on not wanting to hurt other people's feelings or not wanting to be wrong or not wanting to uh, you know, set ourselves apart, even though we're supposed to be set apart. Mm-hmm. and and we make it more of a coast type um, life mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I'm here and I'm here. it's like, but Jesus is literally saying, like it's 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 offensive right just like when he says go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations it's always something that requires movement out of us it doesn't mm-hmm. he didn't say like i want you to accept me as 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 Lord and Savior and then just go to church every Sunday for the rest of your life and then that be it. It's literally saying everywhere you go the kingdom of heaven is coming with you and no matter what room you step in you can be in the middle of Caesarea Philippi where demon worship is happening all around you and the king and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Because let's not forget Jesus knew the persecution That was going to be coming toward his disciples. Mm
1: -hmm. He knew exactly how each disciple was going to die. He knew it all.
0: We said last episode that Jesus, during the transfiguration, which happens right after this, the transfiguration, like literally Jesus set his eyes on Jerusalem to go and die for the sins of the world. So he knew what was coming in the path of his disciples. And so he's like, boom, Peter, because of your faith, because you were the first one to answer and you were the one to say that I am the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Peter. Yeah. Even though we know how Peter dies, like I, I wouldn't necessarily see that as a blessing. But we have to change the way that we see things, right? In order to, because Jesus is trying to say, boom, there it, it
1: is. And whenever Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, it is this that statement yeah. of faith, of who Jesus is um and it's just it's just so powerful yeah. i love it and i have to i want to add one more thing about that Um, Whenever we were there at Caesarea Philippi, they found in 2020 remains of a church right where the gates of hell were. Because eventually I think that spring dried up or something because there wasn't water in there. Um, And they built a church right Right in the the mouth of the gates of hell. And so I just thought that was such a beautiful picture. So we'll, we'll post a picture for you guys. So a literal picture, but also a picture of what we are supposed to do just fearlessly carrying the presence of god with us and just loving and i just oh my gosh it's it's a beautiful picture and i just i love it so much so
0: yeah so verse 19 goes like this i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven then he strictly charged the disciples tell no one that he was the christ i just think that that's interesting that that he would say that he would be like no i want to know who you who you say that i am so then peter answers and then he's like okay but now don't don't tell anybody
1: yeah it probably got real powerful <laughs> it's like yes yes but don't tell anybody
0: okay so verse 21 From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised again. So Jesus is giving them a blueprint of what is about to happen next. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Imagine, okay, just a few sentences before this, I don't know how much time has passed uh, in this conversation, but in in our narrative of the story, you um, you have Jesus saying, who do people say that I am? You're Christ, son of the living God. Bless are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Good job. Here's a pat on the back. And then just a few lines later, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance. Talk about hot and cold. And you talk about whiplash. You're like, have you ever head. gone from the teacher's pet to the class clown? And like the matter of That's like...
1: It's a Katy Perry song. You're yeah. hot and you <laughs> yeah. cold. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> And so it kind of makes me think, okay, Peter stepped up and he's like, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to defend you, Lord. Like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And, you know. He
1: thought he was saying something real good. Like, this will not happen to you.
0: Yeah, he's he's probably saying that. (laughs) And so we're, we're, we're sitting here going, okay, but what was Jesus trying to teach Peter in that moment? He was trying to teach Peter that all of this has to happen right for the son of man like this is what the scripture foretells right this is what how things are supposed to go but we can't hide from the fact that the jewish people the hebrews thought that the messiah was coming to free them from roman captivity to free them once again just as moses led them out you know the messiah was supposed to come and free them from their oppressors so peter was having a hard time and peter was really struggling in this moment To understand, like, he had expectations of what the Messiah was supposed to do. So, for him to think, but we're supposed to be freed from the Romans, but now we're on our way to Jerusalem so you can go and die, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to allow that. That's not how things are supposed to be.
1: I bind that in the name of Jesus. Yeah,
0: I bind that. But see, it's important to understand that. This game plan, Jesus in the midst of Caesarea Philippi, and uh, this was even before Mount Hermon, before the Transfiguration happened. So, Peter's mind was uh, was getting blown all day in this in this whole, or all week, I guess. I don't even know how long this exchange took place, but but we know that that Peter was having a hard time. Peter was like, "No, far be it from me! Like I rebuke that. No, that's not going to happen." Because Peter was having a hard time dying to the expectation of what he thought Jesus was supposed to do. For a second there, I think Peter forgot that he was a disciple and that he was meant to follow. And he was like, oh, no, I'm in control of this situation and that's not going to happen. You know, like many of us do in our own lives. I think that many times the Lord is asking things of us and wanting us to do things that we aren't willing to do. Mm-hmm. And Peter has found himself in a moment just like that. Now, we know that the transfiguration happens and we know what Peter's about to see next. But in this moment right now, the story of the cross, the the events that are about to unfold were really giving us a glimpse of where Peter's heart was. And I think that it even challenges us in that moment because I know that for me I've been guilty of going but Lord you're supposed to do this you're supposed to provide for me and I'm, I need this and I need that but oftentimes the Lord is always trying to show me that he's the one that's in control and not me
1: yeah and we always go through just like Peter in this moment a crisis of faith and what that is it's the gap between what's happening what we're expecting and what the Lord is actually doing.
0: Yes, yeah, so expectation and reality.
1: Yeah. And so um, there's something that Brad said that was really powerful when he was explaining this to us. It was releasing our expectations, releasing yeah. what we believe needs to go down, releasing what we think our future needs to look like, releasing all of that and just receiving what the Lord has. And Whether it looks scary. I'm sure they were all like, what the heck is Jesus talking about? He is going to be scorned and, and you know all these things and just die mm. that's why you're here to die yeah and it I promise you none of them expected that <laughs> yeah. and just because Peter is always the first one to talk he's the one that exemplified <laughs> outwardly that crisis of faith but I bet you every single disciple was like are you what? No there's yeah. no way there's no way And so it just it's such a beautiful picture of what we deal with I mean, you know, even in certain things and operating in my life now, there's these crisis, you know, a crisis of faith, like, whoa, I thought it was going to look like this. Oh, I didn't know this was going to be so long. This is a really long season. I thought it was going to, you know, all these different things that we expect. And we just have to choose every single morning to release that so that we are able to fully receive what the Lord has for us.
0: I think it's a powerful contrast there because you have, you have Peter that answers Jesus and he says that, He's calling him Lord. He's saying that you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Basically, when you're giving someone that title Lord, you're basically saying, I surrender all of my desires to, or or all of my will to serve you. That's what it means to make someone the, when you say I've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're literally saying, I lay down all of my stuff. To pick up what the Lord has for me, so Peter, Jesus says in this moment, He says, "Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, because the Holy Spirit revealed this to you. My, yeah. You know, heaven revealed this to you." So Peter's saying, "I lay it all down for the for the sake of whatever you have for me." Then he goes back into his flesh. And he's saying, "But no, but I still want things my way."
1: No, but it's it's funny in how he said it because he literally said, "Far be it from me, Lord."
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's he's basically revealing his heart to Jesus. Only he doesn't but he's still know
1: it. Calling him Lord.
0: Yeah, yeah he doesn't know it. But the, but what Jesus is trying to get us to understand through this small exchange right here is. Either you believe that I'm the son of the living God or not, and you trust me with your future, with your family, and with everything that could possibly be understood, or you don't. And then, so you can't keep flip-flopping to where you're like, oh, well, yeah, the Lord's in control. Oh, but I'm in control. Oh, no, the Lord's in control. You
1: can't do what the people did whenever they, who do others say that I am? Yeah. Oh, he's a prophet. I mean, he's pretty legit, but he's not the Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, Jesus doesn't play that game. He doesn't play the halfsies. It doesn't play the sitting on the fence. Sure. You either pick one side or the other. I mean, you're hot or you're cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. So mm-hmm. I'm either your Lord or I'm not. You either trust me or you don't, just like you were saying. And yeah. I
0: think that that's what all of us have to check our hearts and, and think, okay, Lord, in what areas of my life have I taken the reins? And, and, and have I tried to control everything instead of letting you be Lord? And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves on this small little trip to Caesarea Philippi. We have to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus Lord or not? And if so, then we give him free reign to do what he does in our lives. And we just trust in the process. We we let go of Mm -hmm. all that control that Peter was so desperately trying to hold on to. Because what Peter didn't know is like... He hated this news, but the event that he was about to experience at the top of the mountain Mm -hmm. was going to be Mm life-changing. Yeah. So
1: So who do you say he is? We'll just leave it there.
0: So who do you say he is? Is he Lord or is he just a good teacher? Because I think we all have to decide that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thank you guys for joining us this week. Um, Listen, this episode's a little bit longer than than they normally are. But thank you for joining us. I hope that you learned something. I hope that you walk away with something. Um, But we'll see you here next week, same time, same place.
1: We'll see you then.
0: See ya. Bye.